You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 53, Go Tell It on the Digital Mountain. Well, in this post-COVID era of ministry, uh, communication has never been more important, especially when we're talking about digital online communication. There are numerous services, subscription plans, tools, apps that are used for that. So which way is best? Well, my guest today will help us figure that out. His name is Seth Muse. Seth is a communication guy. He was in the youth ministry world for a long time. He talks about that a little bit. One thing that we don't mention in the intro is that Seth and I were actually in a band several years ago. And you can still hear our album on Spotify and iTunes. So I posted that link in the show notes. Uh, Anyway, just a little fun fact there. Uh, But Seth and I talk about some misconceptions Uh, about how to effectively communicate online, some better strategies, and the importance of having a plan. So, without further ado, let's listen in to this conversation with Seth. All right, Seth, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me today, man. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm an Enneagram (laughs) 4. Wing five, Jeff, and that should tell you all you need to know. I'm kidding. Okay. (laughs) But that's not all. Um, Man, I was a youth pastor for a long time and worked in some big churches, some small churches. I do communications for churches now. I have a company called Church Com Team. You can go to churchcomteam.com, check that out. And what we do is we help churches with communications remotely. And uh, you get a full team of pros for less than the price of one full-time employee. And uh, it's we're, we're loving that. It's been a really great experience for us. I also have my blog, my blog and podcast too, sethmuse.com, where the podcast is the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, where we talk about church communications most of the time. But that's kind of my world now, church comms, and help churches communicate with digital tools and learn how to... Think strategically about all of the things that we can do since we're trapped at home. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we'll talk about that for sure here in a minute. But um, COVID has really, um, really brought a lot of momentum uh, probably to what you do and a lot of importance uh, to what you do. Uh, so Seth and I, uh, we used to work together uh, back in seminary. Uh, he also helped me and um, our former supervisor, uh, Mike, who's been a guest on here a few times, um, come up with the big games. And the game that Seth really brought to the table is still one of my favorite youth games that isn't really uh, parent approved anymore. It's called Asteroids. And (laughs) just the images in my head of kids getting rocked and then rocked again in the air while trying to catch a ball uh yeah anyway just look up that game on youtube i'm I'm sure you can find it but do you want to know where that game comes from where um do you remember a tv show called mxc most extreme elimination challenge 
You can see you can that's find it. where it comes from. Yeah, that's where the idea comes from. You can find that on Amazon Prime now. I think I was watching it the other day. I was like, "Kids, come here and watch it." This is like oh, where dude. I got it from and all this, and they were not interested. Man, it was crazy. But they used to have this game where they send the they fire a soccer ball way up in the air, and then the contestant had to run out in this like one two feet deep mud pit and try to catch the ball. And just watching them not do it was hilarious. And so I was like, that's a great game. That's what Asteroids was, is we we actually put them in a helmet and we put a refrigerator box or something. We could hold yeah, yep. in suit. <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, we'd send six students run into the middle of a field and we'd toss a f- soccer ball or a basketball at one point, <laughs> a basketball over the air. And whoever caught it got a point. Oh, it was so dangerous because they're running straight at each other, not looking at each other. Mm-hmm. Why did we do that? Yeah, that was in that was in the category of, hey, remember the stuff we used to do in youth group and how we wouldn't even come close to doing that anymore? <laughs> that yeah. was one of them. But we still tried it anyway, and it was Question. still hilarious. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so as that's just talked about, he is Mr. Church Communication Guy and in that world now. And today we are talking about the current and future method of external communication for youth ministry. That includes students and families already involved with your ministry, as well as broadcasting to those without a church home or Christian faith. Uh, There have been dozens of articles written about digital church communication lately, especially with the arrival of the pandemic. Um, Also, some groups like Barna have been conducting studies on the practice and engagement of that digital communication Uh, There are a number of variables to consider with this topic, but let's start with the pandemic since that's kind of the prominent thing right now and the overarching um, progress of digital communication. Uh, So Seth, do you feel like the arrival of COVID has radically amplified digital church communication or did COVID simply make everyone else realize what several churches have been doing this whole time with what's available? Well, I think, I think the short answer is, you know, did did COVID radically amplify? Yes, that's the short answer. It did because it was, it was a weird place. I'll tell you, right before COVID, it was like really tough to get churches and church leadership, especially, to understand the importance of digital tools and treating it like ministry instead of this toy that you could play with, this social media toy, this Facebook toy, Instagram toy, you know, that was fun to do, but it was really about sending either sending information or doing stupid things like photographing your meals and stuff. And that's still <laughs> what they thought it was. But there's this, there's this like whole gambit of tools that you can use to really disciple people and, and reach people. And suddenly when COVID hits, that's all they had was email, website, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. How do we connect with people with Zoom? How do we connect with to people with our live stream, you know, all those things became the only thing we could talk about was especially live stream. That was a big one Mm because a lot of churches weren't doing that. They're like, how do we do this? How do we stream to Facebook? How do we stream to YouTube? And so all of that became just a sudden, like, that's all no more. Like, how do I create a welcome email sequence for my visitors? It was like, screw that. How do we talk about, you know, how do we get our live stream to, to be great? And it was like, that's all anybody wanted to say. So, um, you know, there was definitely a big boost in it. But I think the second part of that is where, where other churches are already doing it. Not really. Uh, I mean, there, there's 
there's some big churches that were doing things, you know, and they, and, and I've worked in some of those big churches and recently, and to be honest, some of the things we need to do now as like a basic one Oh one, we weren't doing either. So I feel like there's a, a COVID brought about this realization that not only were these methods valid, but it also showed me, you know, what the limits were because I was trying to compensate for those that were like, we don't want to do anything. And so I'm kind of like, we can do everything. And then we have to do everything. And we're like, Ooh, we shouldn't do everything. <laughs> this is not as great as we hoped it would be. There's some limits here, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of value there. And I think people are seeing that and finding what's working for them. Um, you, you say like, you know, all the churches that were already doing some of the stuff It's like, yeah, we look at that and we see that and we, we copy people already, you know, and that we know that's a problem. You know, you go to a conference and want to do everything they did at that conference and you, see a church's Instagram and you want that, you want it to be Hillsong Elevation, all those churches. And I think what we're realizing through this is that that's not a very good goal. Uh, it's not realistic. And you you have to realize all the people and money and time it takes for those churches to do what they do in these places. So there's this understanding, I think, that's settling in of how are we going to do what we need to do to reach our people, which is really, really good. But uh, we are realizing that some of the things that they do, the, the curtain has been pulled back on some of that, you know, and, and you're seeing like, wow, they they really do work like 150 hours on this stuff. And we just don't have that. Yeah. We spread that out over three people. You know, we can't do it. We have one person right at our church. So it's like that kind of realization is going, okay, what can we do? So it's getting a little bit more realistic, I think. Um, COVID has really pulled the curtain back on a lot of things in the church and digital communication is one of those that's been this mystique of leaders going, Hey, we want 10,000 followers. I'm like, dude, there's not 10,000 people in our town Followers <laughs> coming from we Hillsong. We're not Hillsong. You know, it's like that kind of expectation has been more real is becoming more realistic now mm-hmm. to, to not have that kind of real, uh, expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, expectations. That's a, that's a key word with all of this because, I feel like the reason why there are so many different articles written from different perspectives on ranging from is the digital church even theologically correct or how much should we dump into this or, hey, I have the Instagram app and I see these people have these many followers. So if I just make some posts and do hashtags, then then I can get it. And the expectation becomes a goal of I want this number and that will equal success, you know. And to me, that's almost a nuanced version of how many people do we have walking the aisles every Sunday and that success, right? We have to really kind of hone and focus and have good context and realize what we're able to do because, um, you know, having the internet, which gives you technically worldwide access to everybody instantly if they want to pay attention there's that expectation of, well, then if I post it and make it big enough, then everyone will see it and it'll just be easier than standing out on the corner with a sign or whatever else, you know. What are some of the big things you've noticed as you've started helping churches post-COVID with their digital communication? Yeah, I think that they're starting to realize that there are some channels they thought were kind of dead that are actually their best channels um, digitally. Email is still really strong. Like if you want to convey information to people, email is still your best bet. And I would say that for adults, for a student minister, if you don't have some kind of texting plan, 
you're missing it, man. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to get that ASAP. Yeah, you know, yeah. Instagram is big for students. Reels is, is awesome. T- TikTok is awesome. Uh, you got DMs and stuff in there. You got to be careful as a youth pastor with that. That's so I wouldn't really do a lot with that unless you have multiple people that can check and what in that same account what's going on. But email and texting, you can set those services up pretty cheap. You can use text and church for texting. They're awesome. You can use uh, uh, Clearstream if you just want the texting service. Um, there's a couple of different other ones. You can just Google it texting service and find a plan that works for you. But if you don't have some kind of like group texting group, me, I mean, something where you're reaching students right on their phone, you're missing the bulk of your best communication tools. So you might think that putting a, putting something out on social is going to do it. It's really not. Um, and so I think people are starting to understand where social fits into the stack of communication tools. It's not like the end all. If I put it on social, everybody knows about it kind of tool we thought it, that people seem to think it was. Mm-hmm. That's been nice to see churches yeah. kind of come to that understanding because that again goes back to expectations. It, it, it helps you manage those expectations better when you can show this is not what this thing really does. You know, it, you, because you posted about this event on social does not mean you're going to have a lot of people come. Oh, but I use hashtags. Well, so what? You know, you're a church. You, I mean, we got to be honest with ourselves a little bit too. Like youth ministries, churches, we got to be honest. We're kind of a dime a dozen in the South. So standing out among church Instagrams, kind of difficult to do. So thinking about we're going to reach 10,000 people like that, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's ridiculous. You know, you may be in a place where you might be able to do that, but if you're chasing that, I don't think, I don't know. I just really don't think you're going to get that. I think it, when you focus, those churches that have that didn't get there because they were chasing that, you know, they they did it because they focused in on who they had and doing that well. Um, you know, and I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of youth ministries, a lot of churches that are starting to understand that we don't have to do everything perfectly. We need to focus on what we're best at, where we have our people, what can we do well, and let's do that. And then if we can build on it, we'll build on it. But we start with a really solid foundation of how we communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to get into some of those specifics here. So you just said it, system. Uh, most of us who make social posts probably don't have a system for it. We generally do promotion and recap posts for programs and events with the occasional uplifting, motivating scripture prayer post, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That can still be effective, but when big companies and brands are constantly capitalizing on the latest social media trends and tools, the church should also be doing that for the sake of advancing the gospel to everyone who's scrolling their news feeds. So Seth, uh, we kind of mentioned some of them already, but What are some of the most common misconceptions about effective digital content and social media posts? And then tell us some better methods for engaging with others online. Yeah, I think um, I have four things here, but to really first, just the overarching answer to your question, you're not competing for that time on people's timeline with other churches. You're competing with the rock. You're competing with Nike, Chick-fil-A, those big brands that have that social media strategy in place. So to think that we're going to compete out there as a church on Instagram, you're not competing against church down the road for that time. And I think we think that sometimes we're competing for all the other mainstream channels that they're really there for in the first place. Mm -hmm. So understanding that changes your strategy a little bit. 
Um, so when we post the things, you know, like the prayer, you know, the scriptures and the quotes and stuff, it it's fine to do that if that's if you're trying to do something with that. So um, let me just go through my four things with misconceptions, things I think we're doing wrong here, and it kind of leads to what we can do better. Uh, the first one is we don't have a goal or a plan at all. We don't have a goal. We don't know what we're trying to do with social media. We copy the church down the street or a big church we like to follow. We're doing posts like them. We see what they're doing. We try to make that kind of stuff for us. We think that works for them because they're big. If you look at some of those posts like Hillsong, Hillsong's engagement rates on their Instagram post is still probably just as low as yours compared to how many followers they have. It's the same because they're putting out content that really doesn't garner that same thing that like the rock does, you know, the rock has incredible. He's one of the top influencers on Instagram. That guy puts out workout videos and, you know, he's a funny dude and he has tequila, you know, and people will talk about that because he talks to them. He's not putting out highly pro, you know, produced material. What makes his Instagram so interesting It's the content and he responds. And so, and he's got a team doing it. That's so to think that it's him is, is not, not what I'm saying. But the point is, is that he has a goal. The Rock shows inspiration. The Rock shows his tequila. The Rock promotes his movies and things he's in. And that's it. That's all he does. He doesn't do anything else. He, when he posts to Instagram, it's going to be one of those three things. And a lot of churches don't have categories. They don't even know. They have no idea what their goals are. They don't know what they're trying to do. So I'd say when you have an Instagram account, you have a TikTok account, whatever you're doing, as a youth ministry, you have to go, what do I want this account to be? And so if your goal is discipleship and and you want to get conversations out of that, you want to have kids talk to you back and forth, you measure that and, and, and it won't look like the rocks account, you know? So then, but if you hit your goals, then you're succeeding. And that's something we don't quite get is that our goals aren't there. The second thing is we measure the wrong things. We, we always measure the wrong stuff. We think likes, reactions, that's a, a measurement of quality post. But if you don't have a goal, then you're measuring things for no reason. And often we're not even measuring things. So if my goal for my Instagram account is to get conversations with students going, you know, let's say that's one of my goals, um, then I would be tracking likes. No, I'd be tracking comments. I'd be tracking responses. I would be making sure that I spent 10 minutes a day liking posts from other students and commenting on theirs so that, and I'm responding to comments. If I got DMS, I'm responding to those and I'm doing it quick. I have my notifications on. So I'm measuring comments. I'm measuring shares. If engagement reaching new students is a goal for my Instagram account, then I'm going to look at how many times these posts were shared and I'm going to make posts like that. So they get shared. I'm going to look at how many times did someone visit my link you know, that was a connection point to bring them. to. So I'm measuring the right things that meet the goals that I have for my, my Instagram. Uh, I don't think we have a plan like that because the, once you have a plan, then all the posts and things and categories kind of fall into place. You know, if, if conversations is something you want to get out of your Instagram account, then make content that asks questions and gets conversations going. You know, I'm sorry, but a scripture on a really you know nice nature background does not get conversations going. Yeah. Silhouette yeah. worship hand with the blurry band in the background does not get conversations going. You know, one of the things you may want to do is a goal might be, I just want to tell the story of the values of our youth ministry 
Like, what do we stand for? You can do that with photography. So maybe you just take photos that illustrate those stories and use your caption to explain it and give it context. Those are types of things you would do if you have a goal. If you don't have a goal, you're going to find out, you're going to find yourself going, I don't know what to post. I burn out on social. Let me just copy something from the church down the street, or I'll get a subscription to Sunday social, which is great or nucleus or something like that. And I'll just grab posts from them. So if you have a goal, you can still grab things from them, but you know what you're looking for. Otherwise you're just pulling their whole 30 days of social and popping it in and calling it done. That's not a strategy. So I, I, I think when we measure the right things, we start to see what kind of content we need to make, how we're doing. Um, the other thing is we don't engage like friends. We don't engage like somebody comments on our posts and we don't respond back. So um, that right there alone is probably 80% of gaming the algorithm for most social media is because, because what the social media company wants is they want quality content to create quality conversations. They want conversations. They want people interacting. Why? because it keeps people on their app longer for them to show ads to. So that's their goal. They want people to stay there. They don't want links that take them off of Facebook or off of Instagram. They want them to stay there. And so when you're creating content that keeps them on there, then they're going to reward you for that. But if you take their goal and say, how can I game their goal into what I'm trying to do? You can find a way to make conversations happen, which is a great goal for Instagram, uh, especially with stories and DMs. Um, to, to create that, that type of content. And when you engage like friends, you gain the algorithm. And the fourth thing is we don't treat it like it's discipleship. I mentioned this earlier. We don't treat it like we can actually do ministry there. We treat it like it's just this simple toy or whatever. And I think a lot of us in youth ministry or, you know, in communications kind of get that it's not, we've seen the power of it. I mean, gosh, the last two years, four years, five years, how has social media changed the narrative of our nation in religion, politics? I mean, think about it. How has that changed everything drastically? So we know that social media has power to, to make people change their minds about stuff. We know that social media has power to invoke actual action from people, whether good or bad. So how are we going to use that to leverage the right kinds of things in discipleship with our kids, with our students, with our adults. That's something that should be inherent in what we're trying to do with social. So to answer all that, to answer your question of what's the misconceptions, I think that we're using social media for things it's not really meant for. It doesn't really work the best. It's kind of like, yes, you can hammer a nail into a wall with the end of a screwdriver, but you would much rather use a hammer. (laughs) So use the right tool. So when you got the hammer, the screwdriver is not meant to nail nails, right? So, You've got social media, like a screwdriver, you find where you need things you know, screwed in. That's, that's what you're looking for. So uh, use the tool properly and you'll get the best result. And I think that's one of the misconceptions is we just really don't use it right. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, just uh, thinking about my own quote unquote strategy for making posts on the youth Instagram and things like that. Um, yeah, people have access to powerful tools and when they're able to do things on them they feel like well there you go i'm doing stuff and you know when we were talking uh a little earlier about um goals that you have and what defines success on social media i think maybe youth ministry might be more susceptible to this um maybe not maybe that's too much of a stereotype but uh you know we we warn our kids all the time about the dangers of a perfectly 
filtered, nice. You can make your own persona and identity on social media and only show what you want people to see or what will get you the most likes and attention. And, you know, I, I love what you said, especially uh, the, the conversation piece, because um, you don't really see too often a church that's trying to get people to get likes or whatever else you show a picture about, Hey, we had a major moral failing in, in our church and um, it was really hard and we're still kind of working through it. And like, you don't, you don't see those kind of things. You only see like the success stuff. You see how many people we baptize and whatever, which that that's good. But I remember when I got hired here and I've listened to some of the people who have been here the longest, when they showed up to this church, they said, the reason that we stayed and we're still here is because the sun, the first Sunday that we were here, there was something that happened in the, in the church body and the support that I saw that person get from everyone who, who came around them to help them, not just in the short term, but in the, in the long term, that made me realize the value of community um, in this church. And so um, we can't just think um, a well-produced thing with good music and whatever else that might get likes and attention. But if we have goals, if we want to have conversations, like you said, we can't let our social media strategy um, kind of get pulled into the same rut that students are tempted to use it for, which is just, let me make it look re- really good and really polished, even if that's not me, so I can get yeah. a lot of attention. Yeah, man. Think about uh, TikTok has been the most disruptive new app in the last few years. And think about why that is, because if you've been on TikTok, there is nothing produced there. It is raw, shot with a selfie cam, and it is it is not pretty, you know, and, and TikTok is one of those kind of it, it is filtered. You know, there's an algorithm that's arbitrarily banning things. It's really hard to understand. But TikTok does have this for it. It's a positive and a negative is it's completely unfiltered. And uh, one of the things about that that is such an, a, a draw for Gen Z is that they love that. They don't want to go to a place that's curated. They don't want to go to a place that is only the best stuff, the highlight reel. They're tired of that. They want to be, they want to see that you're a real person. And on Instagram, there's this stigma that we can't do that, but there's still like, like I said, the rock does not produce a ton of content for his Instagram. It's especially in stories. And when you give raw selfie footage or raw like cell phone footage as your content a lot. What that does is that communicates a a non-produced authenticity that is refreshing. And if you can do that as a church, it doesn't look like the TV era of church that we're used to, where you have the nice camera and it's high, you know, lower third graphics or your Sunday morning service. That stuff still has this presentation feel to it. And, you know, you come and you spectate you pre- and it's presented to you and you observe it and you, inte- you, you might participate a little bit, but really it's, it's, it's spectator stuff. You're an audience. And with Instagram, I'm sorry, with TikTok, it's removed those barriers and filters so that it's like, it feels like you're just talking to each other and you're not always talking very nicely to each other. There's no filter. And so if somebody makes you mad, you can stitch their video and respond to them 
and say whatever you want. And kids, as raw as that is, or as bad as that can be sometimes, they want that because they've grown up seeing the 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 Instagram culture destroy millennials, right? They they mm-hmm. it has ruined us. Um, and I'm actually Gen X. I'm just right there on the cusp of older millennial, but I'm a Gen X uh, through and through. But um, it has really destroyed, especially the younger millennials on self-esteem and depression, anxiety, all of that. And they're like, we don't want that. And so they, they love TikTok, but what they don't realize is the damage that does too with the raw filter is that some things we don't need to see, but um, you know, still that's a, that's a totally different issue, but taking that into your church strategy, communicating authenticity is sometimes as simple as what camera you use. And, and that's all, that's really the, the decision that you need to make. So I think if you really want to garner conversations, you can't have a lot of produced content. When we work with churches, the best content we ever really get engagement on is the stuff that is a raw photo from somewhere that has no graphic design to it, you know, or a video, you know, somebody talking on, on, on Instagram. Um, feed comments are really kind of rare anyway, but like stories and stuff, the raw stuff gets way better play every time. Hmm. Yeah, man, I'm I'm already learning a lot just listening to this because I, I, I have quickly realized in many areas, especially digitally, how much I do not know. Which is why people like you exist for us. Um, I don't know because it's a, it's a changing sandbox every day, man. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I tell churches like email, texting, your website those are those are properties you own. Right. If Facebook or Instagram, TikTok decide, like even last year, there was a threat that TikTok could just get banned in America. And so if you had a TikTok strategy, you're done. There's nothing to do about that. Instagram, same way. Facebook, same way. They want to change the rules. They want to change the privacy settings. They can just do that. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can agree to it and use it, or you can abandon it, or you can try to use it the wrong way, you know, and and not get, not get very good play out of it. So I, I tell churches like you're, and YouTube might be one of those that's more stable because it's just video, but um, there's still a lot there too. But at least texting, email, website, you can control those things. Those are your yeah. Um, and you know the the uh, average youth worker uh, in this country, you know, is probably at a smaller church. And you know, this last kind of question. Uh, there's the stereotypical focus on, well, the youth pastor is our tech guy. He's the guy who's most tech savvy. So we've been hearing for decades now about how ministry silos aren't healthy, right? The youth ministry, children's ministry need to consistently affirm their students that they are a crucial part of their church and should be helping carry the church's overall mission and vision forward. So Seth, should ministries within one church coordinate and unite their approach to posting social media and content? And if so, what would you say to that lone youth worker who feels alone and that they're the only person who's trying to do this? Um, I don't know. It's a, that's a, that's a pretty complex answer and, and really has to do more with each, each church and how things are. Um, when it comes to your question of, you know, should we unite our efforts on social media with youth and, and main service? No, not really. Um, your Instagram account is probably more for your students and your church account is for adults. Those are different values, different things that care about different things that you want to say there. I think it's totally fine to have different 
you know, strategies for those two different accounts. Uh, I think it's important. In fact, it's preferred. But when it comes to silos, that, you know, silos bad, you know, silos bad always, you know, if I, that, that's, that's not good. And, and I've said this, you've said this, and, and it's, it's bad to think this way. This is a bad attitude to have is that, you know, where the youth ministry kind of functions like a church in a church. And, you know, while that sounds kind of typical, you know, cause you, as a senior pastor, you know, you have a music minister, you have a kid's pastor, you have someone who's an admin, you might have graphic designers, and then you show up and teach and do the, do your part. And you have people that help you make your ministry happen in the different parts of it. But if you're a youth pastor, you know, you and I both know you're the teacher, the graphic designer, the video editor, the Bible study leader, the worship leader, you play the guitar, you, you make the slides, you make the game, you set up the game, you get these supplies for the game, you run the game, um, you get the prize for the game. You know, you select the videos, you put it all together, you make it happen. I remember when I was teaching, I ran my own slides from an iPad while I'm talking. That was right out. And I had to have a video play so that I could put my guitar down from leading worship put on my microphone in the time the video played and have my Bible open, be ready to, with my iPad to teach and where I'd run my own slides. And so I had somebody at the back. All I had to do was push a button at the right time. And that's it. And because that's all I had, that's all I could rely on. And, you know, and that's honestly a leadership thing on my part. I wasn't a great leader in that area. I could have trained somebody to do it better, but I just didn't. But we feel like we're a church within our church because we do everything. We are the people, you know, the youth pastors, the people, you know, the pastor has people. We have us. And most of the time. So it feels that way. Like you're the, you're a lone ranger. You're the only one taking care of things, but I gotta be honest, man, that that's one of my great regrets in youth ministry is feeding that silo mentality of the youth having its own independent thing. I think it's fine to have its own independent thing, but we, you know, when they jump into from, from senior in high school to, young adult, if there's no young adult ministry, which many of us don't have, they got to go be part of the church. And the, and the general thinking is youth group, cool, adult group, lame. Yeah. And if that's how your kids feel about church, that's not the pastor's fault. That's, that's really on us to communicate that this is where you're headed. And it's an exciting thing for you to be part of. Now, if you get there and that adult minister ministry regularly rejects the involvement of youth ministry. That's a leadership discussion you need to have, you know, with, with your pastor and your uh, different departments. Cause I know the kids ministry is happy to have students come and be part of that ministry, you know, hold babies and do, you know, Sunday school and whatnot. They love having kids come in and those kids love them. But every other ministry in the church seems to really struggle with letting students be part of what they're doing before they become, you know, 40 year old adults. And, I don't know what that is. I don't know why that is. So I think as a youth pastor, one of the best services you can do for your kids is helping them get into that type of ministry before they have to make the jump so that it becomes normal at your church for your students to be, you know, lead prayer on Sunday mornings when it's not youth Sunday and, you know, do be an usher or uh, do something in your tech booth or be on your, be in your worship team on Sunday mornings in regular rotation because they're good at guitar. Um, they sing in the adult choir, you know, just involve them like they're part of the church. That's, that's really the issue. And so if you want silos to be eliminated, then yeah, you have to work together. But I think it's more than your digital strategy. I think your digital strategies are for communicating certain things to certain groups. So I don't have a problem with that, but it's the overall strategy of what, 
what do you do when you're actually in ministry together? That's where the silo becomes really, really a bad idea. I mean, departmental ministry didn't even exist as a thing until like the 60s and 70s. So this is a new thing that we're still kind of in the experiment of, and I don't think it's all good. So having your own youth ministry, your own pastor, your own staff, that's still new. And I'm not knocking it, but there are some drawbacks to it that we have to be aware of as a leader to make sure we don't fall into that trap of creating a silo that kids don't want to leave. They need to leave. We our, our job as youth pastors is to prepare them to be, you know, adults. You know, they get 18 years as a kid and then they're an adult for the last 60 or 70 years of their life. That's where they're really going to make a huge impact Um with well, they they can as students too, you know. But that's when they really have adult money to make an impact when they get to be older, and so we need to prepare them for that to be invested in the church, be part of what's going on, to care about it, and you can't expect them just to leave youth group and start. It needs to start with guidance at you know ninth grade at least, and start involving them in things. So there, man, these kids know so much about digital. That's a great place to start. Involve them in your social media strategy, graphic design, video editing. They know how to do stuff we don't know how to do, man. And they'll do it in a way we won't expect that we'll think, man, that's not very good, but it will work. And it will work because they know this stuff better than we do. And so yeah. we should be that. Yeah. In fact, um, yeah, there's a, a church I follow where they had an Instagram account and it wasn't very active at all. And they made a post and said, hey, we're deleting this account and this other account that one of our students made, that's going to be our official account and it runs and yeah, it gets a lot more attention and it's just goofy, non-produced yeah. things. And I'm like, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So if they're doing the youth Instagram really well, then I think a fun thing to do for the adults is do a takeover from time to time and let the students take over the, the adult Instagram. That kind of stuff is fun. Um, posting about your student ministry on your adult you know, channels is is good. Um, sometimes just to say, like when we create strategy for churches with church comm team, we we try to throw one or two at least a month highlights in for kids and students, where it's just a post to say, here's what we're doing in student ministry. Here's what's happening. Just because that's part of the church. And it's this, it's this kind of shout out to those groups. But in a way, it also is like, Hey, adults, remember how you should be investing in these groups? Remember how they're part of the church too? The, remember how we like to say they're not the church of tomorrow, but the church of today, and we don't act like it? Let's let's act like it more, you know, by involving them in the things we do. You know, it's a, this reminder of, you know, the, 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 the discipleship that should be happening there in the adult world. Because I think a lot of times we have this, the adults don't have any idea what's going on in the youth ministry. So until they have a big mission trip and they do a report and service or they have a camp and they come back and talk about it, that's the only time you really hear from students or youth Sunday. So involve them in the life and they become part of the life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a really fun um, thought to have a re invigorated um, passion with your students for social media and what they're already on and how they can help you with discipleship and really help uh, improve their own youth ministry culture. Uh, well, man, this has been fun and enlightening. I'm so glad you're able to hop on here with me today, Seth. Uh, before we wrap up, 
you said at the beginning, but tell us again where people can keep up with you online and how you can help them with their churches and communication. Absolutely. Uh, I would really love for everybody to go to churchcomteam.com and see if there's something there that we can help you with. Um, we work remotely with churches all over America and, you know, it, it's a very fulfilling thing we get to do because we really do become part of the team. And I meet with you. I meet with the comms team weekly. So if you're a youth pastor and you think, man, this is a great service that my church could take advantage of. Um, our highest tier, we actually work with the church itself and the main service and the main accounts and everything. But our highest tier, still less than the price of one full-time employee, allows for another department to get some of those services. So if you're like, hey, if I could convince them to do that, then I could get those other services too to help with social strategy on a regular basis. Um, that's offered in the in that top package. Um, so whatever your budget is, we can work. We, we have something, a package that works for that. But um, yeah, churchcomteam.com. And if you want to read blogs about communications, then sethmuse.com and you can listen to my podcast. I'd love to you to subscribe to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Um, so um, we always talk about church comms and leadership and things like that that can help really any department do this stuff better. Very cool. All right, man. Well, thank you again. And I'll be praying for you as God continues to have you be placed in uh, churches that need help with communication and having goals, having a strategy and helping advance the kingdom. Thanks again, bro. Thank you. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Seth for joining me. The links to his websites are in the show notes. So go see how Seth and his team can help you out. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. And be sure to follow us on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find those social media handles and more at our website, youthministrymaverick.com. There you will also find some guest bios, a comprehensive list of all of our episodes and show notes, some ministry partners to help you in your own ministry, an online store to support the podcast, published articles by me, and more. So be sure to visit our website for those things. Also, we really love when people give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Apple is the biggest podcast streamer, and it really helps boost our visibility when people give us a good review. So if you go there and give us a review, not just a rating, but a review, take a screenshot of it before you hit submit and send it to me. And as a thank you, I will send you a card with some merchandise that you can't buy on our online store. So be sure to do that. Well, that's all for now. So until next time, thanks again for listening. Adios.